0: Somebody you counted on makes a promise to you, and then they break it. A trusted friend hears a painful secret in your life, and it's told in confidence, but then they go off and they share it with somebody else. A boss who you've worked hard for, for years and years and years, and you've given your life for the company, comes to you one day, suddenly, unexpectedly, and unjustly, and he terminates your position. Somebody that you're exclusively committed to, or at least you thought, decides to leave you for another person. Today I want to talk about betrayal, Because I think out of all of the wounds that you and I experience, this may be the greatest. Nothing quite compares to being betrayed by another person. Because this is the big truth about betrayal. That betrayal cuts deep because it's always initiated by someone you trusted. And this is your first fill-in in in your program, or you can go on our JAR app. But this is kind of our big truth, that betrayal cuts deep because it's always initiated by someone you trust. Betrayal never happens from a stranger or someone you don't know very well. It always happens to someone that you trust. We're in the middle of a series called Rivals, and what we've been looking at is the life of a guy by the name of David who had multiple rivals in his life. And last week, we talked about uh, a rival that was internal for himself where he wanted so much power that he went and he had an affair with another woman and then murdered uh, her husband and then tried to cover it all up. And the reality is, is that deception does not fall too far from the tree of David's line, and one of David's sons actually goes and he rapes one of his sisters. So there's a son of David's who goes and rapes a sister of his, a daughter of David, and when. One of David's sons hears about this. He becomes so outraged and upset that his brother did that to his sister that he goes out and he kills him. Now, this is the story. And if you thought your family was dysfunctional, it's not this bad. In fact, uh, if David were around today, I think he would be one of the guests to one of these two shows, Jerry or Maury, Jerry, Jerry, you know, and they always have like this huge dysfunction that comes up, and if David and his family, they would be on that show like every single week, oh, it's David again, ah, yeah, now we know, well, David's son, Absalom, is the guy who kills his brother because He raped his sister. And eventually what happens is Absalom is actually banished from the entire kingdom. And Absalom, as he's out in isolation all by himself, bitterness and anger comes back to him and it grows. And his chief kind of thought is that I'm going to take my dad out and I'm going to steal his kingdom. Well, he's away for four years. And the reality is he's been creating a plan. And so he goes back to his dad, David and Absalom comes up and he says, Hey dad, I've learned my lesson. I want to come back. Will you take me? I mean, I know what I was banished for and what I did. And so Will you take me back? Because I made an oath to God that I would come back and I would actually worship him when I returned. And so these are the words from scripture of that conversation. Absalom said to the king, that is his dad David, I promise to sacrifice to the Lord. In other words, I promise to go and to worship him in Hebron. If you would bring me back to Jerusalem. So if I came to Jerusalem, one of the things that I committed to God was that I was going to go back and I was going to worship him in this town, Hebron. So, Dad, will you let me go? Will you let me go do this? And this is what David says. The king said to him, go in peace. So he went back to Hebron. But peace was not in Absalom's mind. He wanted to betray his dad and to gain back the power. Now here's what you need to know. The four years that he was banished from the kingdom, he was going around to anyone and who everyone would listen to him, and he started lobbying them to follow him. Because he said, you know, one day my dad's not going to be around, and I'm the next in line And I'm a prince now, but one day I'm going to be a king. And so you might think about wanting to follow me instead of my dad. So when he comes back, he's kind of got this group of people that are following him. And when he gets to Hebron, this is what it says. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, so he walks in, and he's got everyone together. He's like, you guys are going to play trumpets, and we're going to take this kingdom back. He says, when you hear the sound of the trumpets, then I want you to say, Absalom is king of Hebron.'" Now, this word spreads out, and all of a sudden, people are cheering. And they're like, yeah, he's the next in line. He's going to be the one. We should... Follow him. And what happens is some of David's loyal kind of soldiers leave David and they join forces with Absalom. Then word kind of ekes its way out and some servants finally come to David and they're like, David, did you hear what happened? I mean, have you heard the news? What's what's happening in the kingdom? And David says, well, I heard the trumpets, but, but what's going on? And they say, it's your son. It's your son. He, he's gone up to Hebron, but he's not there worshiping God. He's actually there getting groups of people together to overtake your kingdom. He wants to steal your throne to divide the kingdom. He's trying to wreck your life. And immediately David just like falls to his knees. And he's like, I can't believe this. You're my son. You're my Absalom. Your name means father of peace. But you're a murderer. How, How can this be? And the servants say, well, it gets even worse than that. You know your best friend? You know the guy who's always been by your side, you know, the chief strategist of the kingdom, the person that you entrusted every area and aspect of your life to, that particular guy, he's turned on you too. Ahithophel has left you too. And he's changed sides, David. He's on Absalom's side now. And he knows all the strategy and everything that's going on. You're in trouble. And David realizes this. He realizes that there is this mess going on that he cannot control. He can't handle it. And it probably means the end of his life. And so what he does is he gets a whole group of people who are in the palace. And he goes, Get my wives, get my children, get any soldiers that are left here still. We are all leaving. We're leaving the palace. And the text says that he just left ten concubines there, but everyone else left. David leaves his throne. And the scriptures say that he's walking out on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and he comes to this place called the Mount of Olives. And he's barefoot, and he's weeping. He's like, how could my son do this to me? How could my best friend have done this to me? Have you ever had one of those moments in your life? Have you ever had someone in your life, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a brother, a sister, a a dad, your child, your mom, maybe it was your spouse, And they betrayed you and hurt you in an incredible way. You see, folks, the reason why betrayal cuts so deep is because it's always initiated by someone that you trust. It's not initiated by strangers or people you don't know. It's people that you've given a part of yourself to and you've trusted. Well, if you've ever experienced betrayal before, then the reality is you can relate with David. Eventually, he climbs up this mountain summit and he's praying to God and he's crying out to God. And we actually have one of those prayers that he writes out in Psalm 55, and this is what it says. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide But it's you, Ahithophil, it's you. A man like myself, my companion, my close friend, my best friend. Ahithophil, it's you. Why have you done this to me? What is the reason for your treason? And in verse 20, it goes on. It says, my companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil. I've given in to everything that he said, yet they are drawn swords. You ever experienced that before? Someone speaks to you and it's like butters coming out. And you're like, oh man, this person's for me. They're all about me and everything's really good. And then all of a sudden you get stabbed in the back and they start gossiping about you and talking about you and using you so that they might go up on a ladder and you are kicked to the curb. Folks, if you've ever felt this before, then the reality is is that you know what David is feeling. David's like. You violated a covenant man. Now it's interesting. That word covenant is very. Uh, important. In uh, the Old Testament. Covenant was the sense of a bond. That would come together. And in Psalm 41. We read this. As well. Even my close friend. Ahithophel. Whom I trusted. The one I shared. My bread. Has turned against me. You see folks. There was something about. The concept of covenant. And bread. That went hand in hand. If you were to be in covenant with someone. This is what it meant. It meant that. You were one with someone. That. You stand with someone. You belong to them, and they belong to you. You are in this common unity together. You are in community with one another. And in the ancient Near East, every time that people would be around the table, there would be this this moment where the bread was taken. And the people around it were people that you were connected to. And only the person who was the head of the household or the person who had the highest position or power in the home or out of everyone that was around the table would sit at the head of the table and would take the bread, would give thanks to God, and then would actually break the bread and then would pass it on to anyone else who was there. And each time a person would break off a piece of the bread, it was as if that person was saying, "You know, I'm bound to you now. I am one with you. I am connected with you. We are in community. We are together because we have broke bread with one another. They were united. They were They're together. This is why this is so important. You see, in that particular world, everything happened around the table. And everything happened in relationships around bread. And that's why when David says this in this psalm, he actually says in Psalm 41, "We, we broke bread together. Like we were connected, we were one together and and now we're not. and the, and the reality is like if you had an issue, if you had a problem, why didn't you say something? What's the reason for the treason? Folks, betrayal always cuts very deeply. Because it's not someone on the fringes, it's always initiated by someone that you have given a part of yourself to, to trust that individual. Now for the rest of our time, what I want us to do is to talk about this particular question. Why does betrayal happen? Like, what is the reasons why it happens? You know, many times when we think of betrayal, we we often think of, you know, the, The cover story on a magazine or the leading kind of concept on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, and all of a sudden you see this affair of two very popular people, and you're like, oh, that's it, or, you know, when you think of betrayal, you think of, oh, these two business partners, they were together, and the other one stabbed the guy in the back, and one got everything, and the other one got nothing, or, you know, political leaders or religious leaders who take a community and all of a sudden, because of their decisions, they destroy it. But today, what I want to talk about is not the end result of what happens with betrayal, but what I want to talk about is how does betrayal actually begin? The question in our story is, why would Absalom, his son, and why would Ahithophel, his best friend, betray David? What is the reason for the treason? And the reality is, folks, and we'll talk about this more next week, but betrayal always begins with an offense, something that's done to you or something that has happened to you. There's always an offense that begins this process. Now, I want to kind of show this to you a little bit graphically uh, throughout our time. And so we're going to put up a graphic. This is how creative I am. This black line represents one person. This red line represents another person. And what this concept of community and togetherness is, is that they are connected. They are one. They are bonded and bounded together. And then all of a sudden, when an offense takes place, and that concept of offense comes from a Greek word called scandiloso, which we get our word "scandal." And it's like two people are walking together in this direction when all of a sudden one of them kind of slips or falls. They trip. And when the stumble takes place, they're no longer together at the same speed. They have tripped one another out. So there's an offense that takes place, something happens to you, something happens within that relationship. And you know, often when we think of betrayal, we think of an affair, or we think of, you know, betrayed at some action. But what I want to shed some light on today is that sometimes, folks, there's a lot of silent betrayal that takes place. And a silent betrayal is that something happens, but the other person, you, you just never say anything. It happens, but you don't have the, quite the courage to speak up. And so what takes place is you slowly drift further and further away from each other. Let me explain it again. That you have these two people and you're all together and you're in community and everything's going well. And then all of a sudden the offense takes place. And what, takes, what transpires is all of a sudden one person Starts drifting off, and you're no longer one. But now, all of a sudden, the other person, because of the betrayal, has drifted away from the other the other person, and you begin to move in very different directions because you drifted in the other way. A couple of years ago, our family was vacationing in Florida, and uh, during Our very first day that we were there, uh, Hurricane Nate came. And so they had this great big black flag. You couldn't go out swimming, but uh, we bunches are a little bit risky. So we at least went out and got our feet wet. And so we're kind of just getting our feet wet. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a horrible week. I mean, I got these two kids and they're never going to be able to get in the water. And then all of a sudden the next day, the sun rose, everything was great. Uh, they took the black flag down. People could go swimming. It was awesome. And so we get to the beach and we put up our umbrella, a couple of chairs. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm just going to chill here. And so I sit down and I do start reading some. And my youngest daughter, Shiloh's out there kind of building some sandcastles. And then, My oldest daughter, Jordan, and my wife, Jennifer, go out, and they start swimming. And so they get out, and they're swimming, and Jordan has her life preserver on. Jen doesn't. But they're together, and all is going well, and I'm, like, waving at them, and everything's good. And I go back, and I start reading. And then I looked up again, and I noticed that Jordan was here, but Jen had drifted, like, way far away. And uh, I'm thinking, well, Jordan, you know, being a tween, Probably said something stupid, and her mom's ticked off. And so I just wave at him again, and I go back to reading. Well, what I didn't know is that during this time is that Jen actually had got sucked into a riptide, and it was actually pulling her out to sea. Now, luckily, my wife is so much smarter than me. She reads about all these things that could happen, and so she she learned That if she swam parallel to the beach, that's what was important to get out of a riptide rather than trying to fight it because you wouldn't be strong enough to swim. And so this is going on, and I'm reading, taking my time, and 15 minutes go by, and Jen walks up, and she walks up to me, and she's like, "Ah." I said, babe, what's wrong? She goes, I got in a riptide, and I almost drowned. And you were waving at me. Now. I'll be married 25 years July 23rd. And I know how to translate what my wife is really thinking during that time. And this is what she's thinking. You idiot. Why did you stay up on the beach. Waving at me while I was going to my death. Now. Here's the point that I want you to understand. Folks, drifting happens in relationships all the time. And if you're not careful, you can actually drown. You want to know why Absalom betrayed his father? You want to know why that took place? It comes down to just one word, and the word is justice. You see, when the offense took place, when his brother raped his sister, he thought for sure that David would stand up and do something. But David didn't do anything. You see, when you read Scripture, what you'll find is that David was an amazing leader. He was a subpar father. Well, when David stays silent, Absalom just can't hardly take it. And he gets so frustrated and upset, and he finally decides that what he's going to do is take justice into his own hands. And so he goes and he kills his brother who had raped his sister. And he's thinking that his father is actually going to come and go, you know what? I dropped the ball. I'm so glad that you made justice happen. But that's not what happens. What transpires is that David takes Absalom and he banishes him from the kingdom. And when that shock takes place to Absalom, like what are you doing? the anger and bitterness grows and he determines he's going to do whatever it takes to steal the throne and lead in a new way. You see, Absalom's betrayal with his dad didn't happen at that time in the moment of lobbying for those people. It happened long ago his dad didn't stand up and do the right thing. What about Ahithophil? It's David's best friend. Like how could a best friend betray a person like that? Well, what if I said that Ahithophil's granddaughter was Bathsheba? Do you remember that story from last week? David is king, he's on a rooftop, he wants power, he looks out, and at a time when kings should be at war, he stayed at home, he sees Bathsheba, he takes Bathsheba, he sleeps with Bathsheba, he covers it up by killing her husband. And what if I told you that Ahithophel's son, Eliam, was a part of the bodyguard of David, and one of his best friends was Uriah, who was... Bathsheba's husband. And what if I told you that when all of this transpired, Ahithophel started questioning himself. Why in the world would David do that? Why would he do this to my granddaughter? Why would he do this to one of my son's best friends? So all of a sudden, when the hearts of Israel start to turn from David and they go to Absalom, feels like, now he's going to get his justice. Divine justice should come. Finally, someone's going to stand up to David for what he has done to my granddaughter and her husband. Folks, the truth is, is that betrayal with Bathsheba and Uriah actually happened years and years and years. Before our story today. When Ahithophel. Left David's side. To go to Absalom. You know I have no doubt that in a crowd this size. That there are some of you who have experienced. Someone who has broken your trust. I bet in a crowd this size there are some of you. Who absolutely know what betrayal Looks like maybe you're living it now. Some of you have experienced a scandaloso where there was this trip. There was this fall and it might have been with your brother or your sister or your mom or dad or an ex-spouse or a significant other or a friend or someone. But many of you have never said a word. And what happens is you just drift further and further and further Away from that person. And you might be sleeping in the same bed. But you are galaxies apart. So how do you recover? How do you recover this thing when you have drifted away? How do you recover? Well, we're going to look at recovering when you drift into a storm of betrayal. And the first thing you have to do is you have to name the point. You have to name the point of where the disintegration actually took place. It's actually looking at what happened and trying to figure out how that transpired. Uh, We can do it graphically this way. You see that here it is, but where did it actually take place? And so you've got to name where the disintegration started. It started right here. It's not here. It's right here. When we were together and then all of a sudden... What was that thing? What? How did the relationship go awry? When did we stumble? Maybe in your mind it's like, you know, it's when my spouse made work the number one priority in our family. And we stopped seeing each other as much. And I just felt like there was this disconnect and there was this drift going on. It's when I told you something in confidence and I said, Please don't share this. And then one time you you shared it with all of our friends. And what happens when that takes place is you begin to start drifting more and more. But then things get worse. There's things like gossip and there's things like slander and anger and frustration and maybe even abuse takes place. But it all started with that stumble where the relationship began to disintegrate because you did not name it and the truss gets fractured even more and more, and the drift becomes greater and greater. When my girls were little, uh, what we would often do is we would buy them a Lego set, and we would ask them to actually put it together. Now, that lasted until they were about 10, and now they each want their own Lego sets, Okay. But up until that point, we would buy just one particular thing. It might be uh, a frozen castle like uh, that is, or it could be a car or a plane or something else. And Jen and my kind of thought was, if we help them to do this, they'll learn to trust each other more. We didn't care what the item was that they were building. What we were more interested in is that they were learning how to build trust with one another. Now it's very interesting, this word trust in Hebrew actually comes from two different words. The first word is Yesha, which means wide open. And it's this concept of being free, that I'm free to be seen, I'm free to be known, I'm free to be loved, I'm wide open. When you think of your relationship with God, you simply go, I'm wide open however you want to use me. When you think of your relationship with other people, I'm wide open to what they would have. And so one is this word, Yesha. The second kind of word is Shaka, which means you find refuge. That this trust is built that you feel a sense of safety in any circumstance, any situation, that the other person is not going to judge you, and that you're going to be protected, you're going to be held, you're going to be cared for. And folks, when it comes to Legos, what i found is that, You're either building something together or you're tearing something apart. But you can't do both at the same time. You're either building something or you're tearing it apart. And sometimes what happens in relationships is that there's one big break. And the whole relationship is broken. And other times it's not one big break. But it's just like little pieces just one at a time piece by piece broke break something broken time after time Now here's what I want you to see is that trust is something that takes years to build It can take seconds to be busted Like this. And so each day, what happens is God comes to each one of us and He gives us some Legos in our hand. And we're given these Legos and He says, You can do with what you want. You can either build relationships that actually grow something or you can choose to bust it apart one. After another. And this is what I've learned about betrayal. You can't build and bust at the same time. And betrayal always busts and we simply walk away. And you have a choice. You can either choose to be building something up in your family, in your marriage, in your relationships, at work with a significant other. Or you can bust up relationships like this anytime you want with betrayal and cause all kind of hurt and pain and struggle. And let me tell you something. If you have a relationship in your life that is busted like this, for most of us, this is what we think. Well, it's just one relationship. I'll be great with all the others. No, this is what I found. When you have one like this, it affects every other relationship in your life. Maybe not to the same extent, but you find yourself not trusting, not being as wide open, not being as understanding that that person could be a refuge for you. And there have been many seasons in my life even with God, where I feel so closely connected, and I feel his nearness, and there is this sense of oneness with him. And then there have been other seasons in my life in which I didn't think God came through the way that he should, and all of a sudden I find myself drifting away. You know, in John chapter 13, the story is told of Jesus' last supper with his disciples. And they're all sitting around the table, they're reclining and they pick out this bread. And then Jesus refers back to Psalm 41 that we talked about. And if you would have been a Jewish reader during that time and you hear about a story and a guy's got bread, but there's betrayal that may be happening. All of a sudden your mind goes back to that King who all of a sudden, there were people who had betrayed him, and they remembered what that was. And then you read the story of Jesus, and you're like, Oh, that's what's going to happen in this story, too. And the disciples are sitting there, and Jesus takes some bread, and he says, One of you are going to betray me. And all the disciples look at one another, and they're like, Well, well, not me, well, not me, not me. Well, well, who is it? And they're like, well, someone's got to ask him. Someone has to ask him, who's the one? And so finally they get one person who has enough guts and this person comes and says, okay, Jesus, who is it that is going to betray you? And Jesus says, it's the one who breaks the bread right now from me. And you see this concept of, Bread and covenant would have been so crystal clear to every single one of the disciples. That they're like, whoa. Like, that's the person. Now this is so ironic because we just read in that psalm in Psalm 41. If someone receives bread from you you sense that you're bonded, you're connected, you're with that person. But if you choose not to receive the bread and you walk away, you're saying, this covenant is broken, I want nothing to do with you. Now Jesus understands that the strength is starting to take place, not just with one of them, but eventually all of them. But he still gives one last ditch effort, hoping that there would be some sense of reconciliation. And so he takes the bread and he places it in front of Judas. And he says, here, receive my body, receive my blood. but, But don't do it, Judas. Don't do it. Don't break the covenant. Don't break the bond that we have. And the scripture says that Judas took the bread, but then he walks away. And I can imagine that when he got outside, it was like a transition, a transaction took place. He dropped his bread, he opened up his hands to 30 pieces of silver, and he took that. Now the reality is, folks, at any time in that process, if Judas would have simply turned around and gone back to Jesus, Jesus would have received him wholeheartedly. But Jesus never saw that happen. And folks, just as Jesus offered the bread to Judas, he offers bread to you and I as well who have betrayed him also. And he says, you can come and you can be bound with me. So here's what I want you to see, that if you're drifting in a relationship the very first thing you have to do is you've got to name the point. Where was the point that took place that started this betrayal? Where did it go from us building each other up and encouraging one another to, it actually had a point of disintegration? And then the second way that you recover when you drift into the storm of betrayal is you finally make a commitment to say, I'm going to stop the drift. I'm going to stop it. If it's safe and you can do it in such a way, you stop the drift. It's at that moment where you're like, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm not going to allow this to continue to happen over and over again. It doesn't mean that I have to trust the person at the same level because there was a huge break that took place in the relationship, but I'm not going to carry bitterness and betrayal because of the betrayal. I'm going to move on and I'm going to stop the drift. And then finally, the third thing is that you, if possible, if possible, if it's safe, you share a meal. It may not be safe for everybody to do this, but for some of your relationships, you can do that. You simply go, maybe it's someone in your family, a coworker, a friend, maybe a spouse. Maybe it's someone who a long, long time ago, I I had that one time, someone betrayed me and it took years before it was reconciled. But eventually I was like, I just can't live this way anymore. And we shared a meal together at at Cracker Barrel. And I pointed out where it came and he understood. And we stopped the drift and it was all because of a meal. You know, I think Jesus comes to every single person in this place today, and he says, will you choose to be bound to me? Or will you choose to drift further and further and further away? Will you do the hard work that says, I actually am going to name the point, I'm going to stop the drift, and I'm actually going to try, if it's safe, to share a meal. I know the reason for the treason. I can name it so what I want you to do right now and I'm going to ask you at the end to implement it is for you to think about who is that one person in your life that has betrayed you maybe it's not the biggest betrayal ever maybe it is who is that person is it a brother is it a sister is it a dad is it a mom is it a friend is it a coworker? is it a significant other Folks, I don't know who that person is, but I have a feeling that every single person in here knows who that person is for you. And I believe that if you actually spend some time and you're like, where did this whole thing go awry? And you name the point. And you said, even though they don't deserve it, I'm going to stop the drifting and I'm going to reconcile. I'm not going to trust the same way as before, but I can't live this way anymore because it's affecting other relationships in my life. And so I'm going to sit down and we're going to share a meal together. And even if the person walks out like like Judas did on Jesus, even if they walk out, I'm going to take the See, next week we're going to share communion. And one of the things I want you to do is to think of one person in your life that you're going to work toward reconciling whatever that relationship is, even if it's been betrayal that has been great. And then when we come back together and we share the bread and the cup, we'll be reminded, you know what? The reason I need to do that is because I have betrayed the one who knows me best and loves me most. And I can receive this now, his bread, his cup, because of understanding. That just as someone betrayed me, I need to forgive and look like Jesus. did. So right now, what I'd like you to do, the lights are going to come down. And what I'd like you to do is on in your program or maybe on your phone or wherever it is in your mind, to think of just the first name of a person who has betrayed you, that it's safe enough to start the process of reconciliation. Now, if it's the person beside you, like, don't point at him right now, okay? Like, <laughs> work on that later. But I'd like you to take a moment just between you and God of who that person is, and that you would name the person, then you'll be able to name the point. So let's pray. And again, right now, I just want you to think of one person who betrayed you. In fact, I ask right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would come and you would reveal the name, the face, whatever it is, the person who has. For some of you, that broken relationship was with your mom or your dad. Maybe a brother or a sister, maybe an ex-spouse, a friend. Someone betrayed you. And it's like those Legos that's just been broken. God's asking you in this moment for you to forgive them. It doesn't mean you have to trust them at the same level. It just means that I'm going to take that step to work towards forgiveness. God, bring your healing in every relationship that is carrying some bitterness because of this betrayal. Maybe it's small, maybe it's gigantic, but please, God, right now, bring your forgiveness. God, help us to be able to name the point where the disintegration took place and that we finally say, I'm going to stop the drift. And if it's safe, I'm going to actually try to reconcile with the man. God, for some folks here today who've been betrayed so badly, they're like, I can't forgive this person. Well, what I ask right now is I pray, God, that beginning with today that you would do something supernatural to bring healing and forgiveness, that there would just be a step towards doing that. God, give us a glimpse of how much you have forgiven us in your timing, God, give us the strength to extend forgiveness to others. God, you know our hearts this morning. You know the places in our life where we've been betrayed and when we've been carrying bitterness and where it's grown. So, would you change right now that in us? I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that people would take risk and step today reach out to whoever that person is and God I know we can't do it on our own none of us can overcome betrayal and name a point we need your strength so Jesus if there's someone who's been holding back forgiveness but today is the day would you show them how to forgive that person God help us today to do whatever we need to turn to your light, Jesus Christ himself, and to live in his kingdom. As you keep praying and you think about that person, God, help me to forgive them. Maybe for some of you in this place today, the place of brokenness and betrayal you feel more than anything else is your relationship with God. Maybe you've simply been drifting away from him. And if you were quite honest, you would say, I don't really have that relationship I betrayed him I've thrown my bread on the ground and I don't know what to do well it's very simple all you have to do is simply go to the God of the universe and say God I'm sorry I'm sorry I sinned against you I'm sorry that I betrayed you will you forgive me and if you do that He says, absolutely, I'll forgive you. And not just forgive you, but give you a brand new life. So if today is the day for you to begin a new relationship with Christ or to renew your relationship with Him, I invite you to simply pray this prayer after me. And it's not a a prayer that you have to pray by yourself, but we pray in community all in one so I invite you right now to simply repeat this prayer after me Heavenly Father I am sorry for my sins forgive me make me new I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you fill me with your spirit so I could follow you serve you for the rest of my life thank you for new life now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray.